Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. And this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Cindy, during the pandemic, we've all watched in horror as stores closed and shopping behavior just went berserk. Amazon sales leapt by something like 40%. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the future of retail? And I actually subscribe to a bunch of marketing newsletters from PricewaterhouseCoopers, and I came across a report called Preparing for Tomorrow's Consumers Today. And the first section of it was called The Store of the Future. And I'm wondering, Cindy, wouldn't you love to know where the consumer shopping experience is headed? Absolutely. And it's particularly pertinent for us here with our West Virginia sponsor, because we do a capstone course in Mm. WVU in our Masters of uh, Data Marketing Communications. And our case is a retailer. Oh, neat. Well, I hope we can include that. This article that I I mentioned was co-authored by Paul Leinwand, and I took the liberty of reaching out to him And he agreed not only to join us on this program, but also to bring along his colleague, Samrat Sharma. And Paul's title is Global Director of the Strategy and Unit of PwC. He's based in Chicago. And he also, you'll love this, Cindy, teaches at Kellogg as an adjunct. He teaches strategy and management. And Samrat also works at strategy and at PwC, and he has an MBA from Carnegie Mellon. So we're very lucky to have these two gentlemen with us. So how about if we bring them in here now? Absolutely. Welcome to you both. Great to be here. Thank you. Wonderful to have you, two really smart individuals, and we're big fans of uh, PwC and being in Chicago as well. Certainly uh, know the landscape and the Kellogg brand really well, too. So nice to have you. If I could just start off and ask a question based on that interesting topic of your newsletter uh, for our audience, can you describe briefly what you mean by the store of the future? Sure. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ruth, for having us. I think you know this is a is a great topic. We're having a ton of discussions with a lot of our clients today, right? As difficult as disruption can be, it often kind of nudges us uh, or thrusts us in the case of the pandemic into a future state, right? So, what what was we were already going through a kind of a, a real trend where uh, the store was being kind of redefined uh, to be more omni-channel, to be more experience-rich kind of really fusing the physical and digital world. And if at all, the the pandemic just accelerated that, right? So so what does that mean? So in a practical sense, it means like technology will continue to revolutionize or enable both online and physical retail, right? Forcing a real change, a real uh, shift in business models because primarily driven by the consumers because consumers like you and I are really looking for a, are expecting a frictionless, completely tech enabled experience, right? And the retailers 
and quite honestly, the manufacturers are trying to respond and, and serve the consumers where they, you know, meet the consumers where they want, want to be met, right? So as a result of that, traditional channels will continue to blur as retailers and manufacturers both embrace this whole direct-to-consumer model. Uh, the fulfillment experience will uh, become an increasingly critical point of differentiation execution. And well, as a result of the pandemic, health and safety will continue to be a key component of the loyalty that any retailer will be able to drive in the future. How interesting. So what does that mean to us as marketers? So of course, marketing can be, applies all over the retail world, but say we're manufacturers and we are using retail as a distribution channel. What does this new retail experience drive us to be doing differently to be successful? That's a, a good, really important question. And just building off of Samrat's description of the future, the marketing and the manufacturers that are selling through retail are going to also have to step back and figure out why is that consumer visiting a store? How are they expecting a set of experiences to unfold um, online, digitally connected to a store environment, back to online in, in a way that really meets their needs and exceeds their needs? I think one of the things that, you know, Summer and I often talk about is the fact that the consumer packaged goods industry has the word consumer in the front, um, <laughs> but, but actually has gotten way too far away from the consumer. Right. When you really so think about true. direct relationship, it's really being done through retail. It may be digital retail, it may be brick and mortar retail, but the manufacturers, their connection to the consumer is really through things like traditional market research. And that's a core marketing function. Uh, the consumer, you know, packaged goods companies are going to have to rethink how do they learn what consumers really want in today's environment? How do they build their own experiences um, that engage consumers and bring them part of that overall experience? So I think figuring out the retail side of it is just one challenge for marketers. I really think stepping back and figuring out what that relationship is and how do we understand what consumers are doing, that's, a, I think, a much bigger objective. I'm so interested that you said that, Paul, having had some connection earlier this year with a large CPG company. And I was shocked to learn that the word customer around the halls of that company does not mean the end user. It means the, the Walmarts and their, their distribution, what we would call their distribution channel partners. And they use the word consumer to mean what Cindy and I would call customer. Partly, we've had this challenge between the um, CPG and the um, end consumer because the retailer was the walled garden where the data resided. And we so often, as the manufacturer, don't have access to the end consumer or the end customer. Uh, and they keep that you know, kind of distribution channel in the middle. So Paul and Samrat, if we're going to make that relationship where the consumer is front and center, 
how is the manufacturer and the retailer going to change the way they do business together that the retailer is not going to, or they're going to disintermediate out of that relationship and allow the end user consumer to have a, a loyal relationship or dialogue with a manufacturer. I think maybe I can take that. See, I think there is a role that the retailer plays in for, for a manufacturer and, and there's a role the manufacturer plays for the retailer, right? Their core capabilities that a manufacturer has around category management, product development. And I think they're just the power of the brand, right? The brand instills trust into the consumer. So there is, there is a value that the manufacturer brings. And similarly, there is a value that the retailer brings, right? I don't personally, I don't think we believe that that relationship, that the retailers will continue to exist and operate, the manufacturer, will. just that the lines are going to blur, right? And it's all driven by, um, I think it's really as the shopper journey becomes more intricate, both the retailers and the CPGs will need to establish very strong touch points and uh, engagement points to attract, engage, and retain that shopper together. Because what, what's happening from a consumer, again, this is all being led by the consumer. What's happening as the consumer part to purchase is shifting towards more digital discovery and purchase versus in-store as consumers kind of prioritize lower prices, faster purchasing, easy access to their customer service, better loyalty uh, rewards, it is putting a premium on making those points of those capabilities or those points of differentiation stronger, more apparent, and more relevant to the consumer, right? So, so what does that mean? From a purely opportunity, it means that they will need to invest in personalized bundled solutions like, you know, a spring color collection selected for the individual versus a lip, eye, nail, and cosmetic messaging, right? It will mean being more targeted, kind of targeting the shoppers, for example, like based on purchase behaviors, why a paid search, right? Like uh, sponsoring results, product displays, and through uh, not only through retail uh, shelves, but also through retail media networks. Etc. And also, then in turn, kind of optimizing the digital content um, to, to be able to drive that whole conversion uh, together. Again, so it, it's going to be, as I said, the lines are blurring. The partnership is, is, you know, there will be new ways to find and kind of operate and coexist, right? Uh, and to, to Paul's point, part of being for the CPG company to build that privileged access to consumer. It will have to kind of, and you're seeing this, it will have to kind of migrate from depending on the retailer to kind of manage that consumer interaction or that experience to taking full, you know, taking a joint ownership of that consumer engagement and relationship. So culturally, do you think that's possible? Are you seeing signs that they are seeing themselves more as partners already? Or I certainly understand that that would be an ideal but I, I, I'm really suspicious about the, the, the long history and heritage of them being, seeing each other as rivals, or if not rivals, then at least having different interests. You know, one of the, one of the things I think everybody recognizes right now is just 
you know, how difficult it is to grow. Um, and I, I think because of that, there's a understanding that one player on their own is not going to be able to solve that problem. Um, and I think the ecosystem essentially of manufacturers and, and retailers of all kinds are, are going to have to work on some of these issues, improve the experience, improve the value proposition for consumers. Um, and I, I don't see, I don't, I don't think we see any one player being able to do that. Um, however, I also think that at the end of the day, the manufacturers do need to be kind of experts at their categories, right? They, they have to bring tremendous thought leadership and engagement um, around their categories. And that's why we're seeing the emergence of, you know, D2C, right? Direct to consumer mm -hmm. pop up in lots of different businesses. And I, I think it's interesting because, you know, Samrat and I would have met with lots of, you know, C-suite executives over the years with CPG coming, they would have said, oh, it's hard to do D2C because that's a channel conflict, right? right. There's kind of concern. And, and now actually it's almost flipped to some extent where right. people say, you know what? We need D2C to pilot what the new experiences are going to be like um, so that we can actually help retail get there because retail ultimately will be managing lots of categories. And so I think it's, it's a pivot and as Samrat said, you know, this is a nudge, right, from the pandemic in many ways to recognize we're in a different environment. And I think this is one of those nudges. Suddenly, I think D2C has become a much greater need from the manufacturer perspective, but it's not necessarily to compete with retail. It's to learn, it's to engage, it's to interact, it's to test um, and improve the overall experience for everybody. Mm. That's... Very true. I want to ask you a question. I did have an opportunity to read the article, and uh, thank you so much, uh, Ruth, for sharing that. And you talk about experiential retail in your uh, paper, and I want to explore that a little bit. You know, we know millennials are, are mobile first, but they're not mobile only, and they're not digital only. And we've seen a, a trend that the millennials are the first to say they want to go back into an experiential environment, right? So can we talk a little bit about what your point of view is around experiential retail? Again, everything starts from the consumer, right? The, the consumer doesn't go seeking out a product in isolation, right? As you look at their the journey that a consumer goes through in a day, right? Like um, there are some routines, Right. They have like in the morning, like consumer get up kind of is looking for some sort of a kind of a curated experience around how they how she would get her kids ready, get to school, you know, take the train to work, you know, uh, be at work, you know, go through lunchtime. So there are all these different moments throughout the day that are important. And, and her experience during that day is, yes. In the evening, if she has some time and is walking on the street and kind of comes across the store, yes, you would kind of walk in and maybe make a purchase. But throughout that entire journey, there are, there are different moments where your kind of brands are being are learning about what what the context is and is being able to, are being able to engage and provide more context around how they can kind of fulfill those needs or experience. So, in some ways, what does that experience look like? For, for brands, it is about understanding what the shopper goes through during the day, 
and then being able to in a very disciplined way engage at the right time at the right frequency with the right message to to highlight the value that their products can deliver to make the shoppers life better right it really at the end of the day you know every moment is an experience right so in fact one of the things paul and i uh, often uh, spoke about in the throes of the pandemic was you see a you saw we saw a real surge in um, sh- you know consumer shifting from you know brick and mortar to kind of digital channel right brick and clicks like others etc and in some instances the experience was great in some instances the experience was not that great but the but the, but the consumer was just seeking product right they wanted whether it be toilet papers or whether it be whatever but the consumer is smart the consumer is remembering that experience consumers actually will forget where they got it from but they will always remember the experience the number of clicks they had to go through how did the packaging show up whether that product worked for them or not and that while in the moment they were looking for that product and settled for whatever and you saw a lot of switching as a result of that but if the brand is not able to fulfill or stand up to the promise to the consumer the consumer would switch once things get better right and i think that's where a lot of the focus with the retailers who did not manage or in appropriately invest behind that experience or even with the brands who did not fulfill that brand promise to their consumer i think that's where the biggest risk is for those brands and that's what separates the brands that endure from the brands that are opportunistic and and get a lot of initial uh surge but then wither away very quickly there's a there's a great um there's a great example uh that that actually some of you remember we were debating a lot you know over the last year um and that had to do with food right so you know, th- there was a there was a period of time when obviously the caloric intake as somrat used to tell me um was shift you know shifted dramatically right from some mix of away from home and in home and uh, I, i think the comments you know through a lot of the research we were looking at is yeah some people were enjoying that but a lot of people weren't and and we wondered how sustainable is it going to be to cook that many meals at home and you know fortunately where we are now um you know there's there's an ability to you know uh to to sort of mix that caloric intake but one of the innovations that we think is going to continue to be developed is how do we not have two different avenues right you know you can kind of order take in or you go to the supermarket and prepare food or you go out to a restaurant but will we start to see manufacturers think about the experience of what would it be like to really bring a different cooking experience or a different delivery experience rather than the old model which was delivery essentially was just a back end to a restaurant rather than a reimagine and there's been some innovation already um but i think that might represent what somrat's talking about you know if we really understood the consumer experience and what they're looking for we might reimagine how some of these categories work and that's not incremental innovation that's that's pretty breakthrough innovation that most certainly is i know i certainly was doing a lot more cooking and um not a lot of curbside but uh and all of these subscription based food products that are direct to consumer now right hello fresh or you know you can name all sorts of them that were coming into the home and cooking became uh, um 
an opportunity to engage with you know whomever in your family it, it became something a lot more than just consuming your meal many of us who work it was kind of come home late eat go out to the restaurant consume your your meal and be done now it became we were even doing zoom cooking lessons we we're doing all sorts of things around cooking that became a way for us to engage as individuals um not just in the old model. So that that that's really interesting, Paul. Thank you for that. So, um, you know, we do, uh, as part of the West Virginia University Masters of Science uh, DMC program, the capstone is a case-based class, and we use a retailer. And um, this retailer has had a, a tradition in brick and mortar, very interesting um, brand with a with a, a particular feel, and um, their heritage is based in a gritty urban, a Rust Belt city. So it has a lot to do with their brand, and their stores look like it too. Um, so they're unique and they're interesting, and and they're all in urban locations. Now they were shut during the pandemic, and they haven't done a really good job in creating an e-commerce presence. And they haven't really taken that brand personality into e-commerce. And they are mostly in urban cities, kind of hipster or young millennial or Henry. We know the Henry's, you know, high earners, not rich yet uh, demographic. So what would you do or say to a retailer that um, depended on brick and mortar, um, is behind the curve in digital, um, and is catering to a, a brand that's you know in big cities like Chicago and Detroit and Cleveland, uh, LA, um, and they're behind the curve. And that's kind of what we're talking about. What do you guys got to do here? Um, what do our students have to think about in this sort of environment? And it would be great if you uh, had a, a, an idea to throw out that uh, we can share with the class. Putting you Maybe on I the can... spot. <laughs> Well, maybe I can go first and then Paul can keep me honest. Quite honestly, never let, never give up an opportunity. The pandemic was definitely a disruption in how we all operated, how consumers shopped, how retailers kind of created value, how brands created value. In some ways, never let a crisis go, go to waste, right? And I would say like there is an opportunity there. So one, to take a step back, really understand what is the consumer really seeking, right? And how can a retailer provide value to that consumer, right? Either by kind of having the right positioning, the right proposition, the right experience, to, and therefore the right experience to deliver against the proposition, right? So I think there is an opportunity to fundamentally reevaluate what that value equation is and how can they provide that value. Two is if it's a retailer who has, Paul said earlier, there was, you know, because digital was growing at its own pace, right, digital commerce, um, there were a lot of companies that, that were waiting and watching, right? It wasn't as material to, uh, to their business. So therefore, they were like, hey, let's just continue to focus on the now versus kind of trying, having to make those big te technology investments um, needed, or capability investments, quite honestly, that are needed to enable that transition, right? Now, as we all know, that is, um, you know, just I was looking at some statistics Actually, Paul and I both were looking at the statistics recently. You know, digital commerce grew like 30% year on year last year, right? And if you look at some of the predictions around how, you know, where digital commerce would be in, 
you know, two years, it, you know, the forecast uh, is by 2022, digital commerce will be 300% higher than pre-COVID and actually 200% higher than even the pre-COVID estimates for 2022, right? Wow. So it's, it's, it's very real. It's very material. Um, ha- consumer habits have fundamentally shifted to kind of uh, uh, not only purchase, but actually just engage with brands through digital channels, right? And therefore, the opportunity for, for a retailer is really to kind of recognize that, rethink that, understand the capabilities that are needed, and like go all in to kind of develop the right relevant value proposition that will, that, that will kind of assert its value to the consumer in the most effective way. It's not, it, 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 and it doesn't mean doing away with brick and mortar or going, but it is understanding how, how that value exchange works and where, you know, that is valued by the consumer. I, I have only one quick thing to add. We, we just published an article on HBR called Digitizing Isn't the Same as Digital Transformation. And I think that's a really important lesson in retail as well. There, there's lots of digital investments that retailers can make to catch up with everybody. Um, you think about having the e-commerce platform you need, right? having the right form of transaction management. There's lots of things you can invest money in. But if everybody just invests the same things, we're all going to be the same. right? There's no differentiation. And retailers need to differentiate. They have to find their own identity. And so digital is wonderful. Technology is wonderful. But to Samrat's point, we have to start with what is this incredible value proposition we're going to deliver? How do we make sure we understand the right experience? And then how do we digitize against that? So uh, digitizing is table stakes. Differentiation is where it's all, what it's all about. Yeah. And there's lots of, there's too much digitization for any one retailer to probably do perfectly. And so if they try to digitize everything, they'll wind up being kind of okay, um, but probably not as good as the next person that's really focused in that particular area and has gotten the right level of investment. So this is a critical point. Like everything else with choices, we want to do the things that are going to advantage us, not just catch up with what everybody else is doing. Wow. This is so, so interesting. I love the distinctions that you two are making because they are crisp and clear and also kind of action oriented, meaning as marketers, we can figure out some real steps we can take rather than just, you know, either throw up our hands in despair or, um, or, or think that um, these are all just theories. So thank you very much. This has been so interesting. Thank you both so much. Yeah, great to be with you both. Uh, and it's always fun to do this with Samrat. So I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you both very much. You're well. Thank you. Bye. Ruth, that was such an interesting conversation with Samrat and Paul and such a wide range of conver- you know, topics that we shared with each other. Uh, I wanted to start off our conversation here after they left the room around a couple of things they mentioned. You know, we have seen uh, since the pandemic that people are less loyal and that they are willing to change their behavior and select new brands and new relationships. 
And that goes right directly to what Paul was saying, that if retailers and brands don't fulfill the brand promise with the consumer and didn't do a good job of that during the pandemic, the consumer will switch or has already switched. And we know that many of the behaviors and attitudes that we took on as a result of the pandemic are never going back. Right. So brands beware they may have already seen that they've lost some of their consumer loyalty and connection based on not fulfilling the brand promise. And that this is also extends to the retailer, right? Right. And they made the big point that one of the places the consumers are, are finding dissatisfaction is in the experience they're having. And that retailers both uh, online, but especially offline need to pay very close attention to the retail experience as a whole and every piece of the experience counts. And it's just too easy to switch if you offend them or annoy them with just one little experience, it can ruin the whole perception of the brand and the desire to shop there. They also pointed out that one of the reasons retail has struggled is that consumers want something different now. They wanted something different during the pandemic. And as you mentioned, those who didn't give give them what they want are losing out. So I, I personally thought it was very insightful to remind ourselves that consumers really drive everything. <laughs> and we need to be keeping in touch with them, understanding them and being responsive to their needs. Yes, absolutely. And how the experience is now fusing the physical and the digital, that this is like a real shift right. in the business model, right? The consumers are getting comfortable with a frictionless tech-enabled experience that is digital and in-person and the importance of fulfillment and the, in the retail experience. So no longer is are these separate where you buy and you have an Amazon experience that's different than your brick and mortar exactly. experience. Yeah. And so the they actually wrapped up their conversation with us, making the point that just for a retailer to just add a few digital gizmos is not enough, that they need to go all in. They need mm -hmm. to think big and consider the brand experience from the consumer's point of view across the entire set of customer touch points. Really, really helpful way to think about it. But I also was so fascinated when they mentioned DTC as being an example of retail of the future. Right. My goodness. I mean, Cindy, you and I came out of the mail order business and it's really funny to have come full circle that now people are holding up basically, you know, direct marketing as the holy grail is sort of satisfying, isn't it? But what I did challenge them on was the 
the need for retailers and manufacturers to embrace each other, I was thinking, boy, I've never seen that in my career or my personal life, right? They, those two entities have viewed each other with suspicion. And there, these are two guests saying, oh, well, it's important for them to share data and that they need to go to market together and uh, both have to be close to the consumer and understand uh, the, the, the needs of the market. I was thinking, well, they're still set up to be frenemies. Right. And then when you add on to that DTC, you know, direct to consumer, let's face it, was the manufacturer's initiative to get a direct communication and understand who the consumer is and be able to market to them directly, go around the retailers. So um, the idea that DTC and retail survive and should be symbiotic makes sense, right? There's a place for both. Mm -hmm. And when they said, you know, that manufacturers can use DTC as a way to learn and engage and test product and then help educate the retailer on what they learned through DTC. That's the part of it I think that's a little um, aspirational. I, I agree with you. I don't know how many retailers would see their um, manufacturers, CPGs, as um, welcoming them into the DTC market. <laughs> right. It's, it's classic uh, channel conflict. And the expectation of the owner, ownership of the customer relationship is at retail. And in fact, you know, I, I was really uh, f fascinated when I learned from a CPG company recently, and I made, made the point on the call that they view their customers as the retailers <laughs> and, and sort of imp by implication, they view the end user as the customer of the retailer. So there's a, a mindset shift that needs to happen as well. Yeah, I think that um, the retailers and the um, CPGs could learn from traditional and successful business-to-business -business models where mm. uh, B2B customers and distribution channels and logistics in the middle and indirect brokers and sales, they've learned how to have a relationship with quote end users and leveraging the channel in the middle um, to best advantage. We realize that we can't be successful in B2B without all parties you know, participating in that. So maybe, the, maybe there is hope. Um, yeah, right. I like that idea of holding up B2B as, as something to yeah. learn from. So is it time for us to identify our, our three takeaways, our three little pigs? Oh, wow. Yes. But I don't know how we're going to get down to three, but I know. why don't you start and, and, and serve up one of them for us? Okay. I really liked overall the, the point they made about looking at the pandemic as a crisis that can also provide us with an opportunity. And we've seen that retailers are actually embracing some of the digital opportunity, thinking differently about how to serve their customers. So that 
uh, old Chinese um, phrase or motto is really something to guide us, I think. Yes, and I think many of us have learned that firsthand, have we not? Mm. Um, I'd like to pick up on the go all in. Mm. You know, this is not um, a time for the faint of heart. And um, I think it was Paul who quoted digital commerce by 2022 will increase by 300%. You know, with consumer habits fundamentally having changed, just digitizing what you do today is not going to be good enough. You really need to embrace true digital transformation and go all in. That, that I think, right. was an a important point they made. And then third, maybe, would be the insight they gave us that consumers are driving everything. <laughs> and we can come up with our own great ideas, but unless they have consumer need as the base, they are likely not to be successful. And that's a something it's easy to forget in the rush of day-to-day -day marketing, but it's such a fundamental marketing principle. It's so helpful to have it pointed out again. Yes, I've even heard the, a, a little twist instead of saying that the customer, the consumer is at the center of marketing. I've heard it said that the consumer is at the center of all journeys now. Mm, very nice. So thank you, Cindy. That was a terrific session. I look forward to the next one. So do I. Take care now, Ruth. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.